Hey, I have a question for you. Do you know the difference between our sporadic podcast and a sprint race? Our sporadic podcast doesn't suck as bad as a sprint race. People want our sporadic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and on that note, do you want to say welcome back? Sure. Welcome to the Bloke and the Bird show. Back for the moment. Um, you know, F1 had a really long break and we had skipped, we had planned on skipping about a week or so in that break because nothing had happened. Then we had an emergency pop up, um, which unfortunately kept us away. Um, as a matter of fact, we didn't even watch the, I mean, not that it sounds like we missed anything, but we didn't really, we didn't even watch the uh, race in Azerbaijan. Mario Kart Grand Prix? Yes, we did not watch it this year because um, we were driving. On the not beautiful or picturesque I-75. Exactly. <laughs> it is neither beautiful nor picturesque. No, it is not. But we were doing it. So, yes. Um, we've been gone for a while. I kind of had a practice about this. Well, it's between the fact that we were gone for a while and then that ridiculous four-week break that F1 had. And it wasn't like summer break where we're all ready for it. Yeah, and, and I mean, to be fair to Formula One, it was not the plan. There was supposed to be the race in China in that gap. However, because of the COVID restrictions and concerns at the time, Formula One decided to cancel the race. So, I, you know, I, I don't begrudge them of that. But wow, I didn't realize when they canceled that race that we were looking at a four-week hole in the schedule to then walk into double and triple headers. Exactly. Exactly. So we missed the Mario Kart Grand Prix because we were doing our own Grand Prix on I-75. And we're back, but we're only back for a short time. Yeah, we're only back for a week um, for a pre-planned departure departure um but probably will after next week we'll be back through memorial day so that should be at least two weekends maybe should be back for monaco at the very least i would hope yeah we That's should be the back goal. back for monaco so i do not have because of how late this race ended i do not have recorded standings and it also means that you won't whine because you're not winning and we're talking about standings. Well, I did look. Yes. Um, because I think I didn't really look at the Azerbaijan one. Um, the top three have not changed places. So you are still in the lead. Still very close. You know, I, I got to say, I don't recall by this time in the season, the gap from first to like fourth being under 100 points. And that's where we are. Um, but you're still in the lead? Mm -hmm. Phil's still holding down second, and I'm on the third step. But you know what this week is? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, wait. So I've done a little bit of research. Okay. Because I realized that I have become fairly emotional about not winning the Fantasy GP. No way. So I did a little <clears throat> bit of research, and I have determined that if I can't win, third place is the better place to be. The reason is that when Olympic athletes are interviewed, 
medal holding Olympic athletes are interviewed. The silver medalist is the most disappointed. So I choose go bronze. Got it. You know, <laughs> you got I, nothing. I, I, I got nothing because it's not where I was headed and not what I was ready for. And I just wanted you to understand the psychology that I will stop begrudging, not at least getting second. You know, just being on the podium is going to be good enough. But if I can rearrange my team a little bit and smack you down a little bit, that would be good. Okay. So it is a race weekend. And do you know what race it is? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami, uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat, uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that, can y'all feel that, jig it out, uh, here I am in the place where I come let go, in Miami, the base and the sunset low, <laughs> day like a Mardi Gras, everybody party. The race that was nowhere close to South Beach? Well, it it was in the same county. Um, it, it was within the what is commonly considered the greater Miami area. And and actually I think it well no, it wasn't within the city limits of within the county limits of Metro Dade County. I was gonna say it's it's in Metro Dade. So um, do do you remember that song? No. I hadn't heard that song and so that's Will Smith. I have probably never heard that song. You have never heard Will Smith. Smith bleh. Try that in English. Never heard Will Smith's Miami. No. Really? Yeah. Well, that takes away the whole the whole thing that I had pointed out that I had never noticed before. But listening to it now, the way he opens that song, I, I was kind of wondering if he was taking a dump. Um. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I never heard it. The only Will Smith song I actually ever knew was "Parents Don't Understand." And not the Fresh Prince, Prince of Bel-Air. I didn't watch the show. I mean, I knew that was a song, but it wasn't like it was on the radio or anything. Well, you know, other notable parts of this hit, in air quotes. Actually, I think it was for a little while, oddly enough. I, I have to share this. Welcome to my This it hasn't the, aged well. <laughs> this was the 90s, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was not a high watermark in music. We know this, right? This is not a song that has aged well. <laughs> you, know, you know what this song reminds me of? The, the, the not hit of Let's Go to the Mall from How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> that your son has on his phone. Uh-huh. Because he likes it. Maybe he would like this song. This is one of those songs that I had totally forgotten about. And, and then, you should have left it there in And then I was driving in the car and it popped up in my Apple Music feed. And I went, holy crap, I need to remember this for the show. <laughs> I am very worried about what would prompt that to come up in your Apple Music feed. But 
alas, it does not come up in mine. <laughs> so, yes, we had a race um, in the parking lot of Pro Robbie Stadium. Um, yeah. I, I, 57 pages of celebrities, I think, was the, yeah. the list that was mentioned in the pre-race show. So... We'll loop back to Miami in a second, but I but I had to share that to to open. Um, first off, <laughs> the drivers have urged the FIA in response to the chaos that was the end of the Australian Grand Prix, which honestly, what was it five weeks ago now, and it feels like it was last season. <laughs> that was basically last year. Yeah, you know. We had talked about it, and it was fairly controversial in that restart that um, they they had a standing restart, um, didn't make it through the first sector, and there was a fairly significant incident, red flagged it, rolled everything back at the start, and basically we finished under safety car. Mm-hmm. Um, in response to that and, and how that played out, and, and we said it then, and, and I still feel the same way now, as much as... Yes, I'd rather that races don't end under a safety car. I think this was the way they should have handled it. They handled it appropriately. It was the only the only viable option and trying to come up with some way to manipulate it to get in an extra racing lap or two was not worth it. I so 100% agree. I supported how that race ultimately ended. However, the drivers, in response to that, are pushing uh, the FIA to avoid late standing restarts. Um, not to—it's not a point that they're saying that we shouldn't re- have a restart at all. They just don't want to do the lineup on the grid standing restart. They'll stand under, start under a safety car, which is what we used to do years ago. All right. Um, where they're they've got several concerns most of it is around the condition of the tires especially when it comes that late in the race because and and the condition of the track as well because when you have a standing restart that late in a race you've had what 40 50 55 laps already with all the marbles and all the debris and all the gunk that has piled up off the racing line including on the grid because keep in mind the grid is on the track but the grid is not the racing line on the track well not all of the grid not all of the grid. yeah so there is a racing line that goes through the grid which not all of the boxes sit on correct so apparently what charlie whiting had instituted and has not been followed since uh his passing was when there was a standing restart, especially late in the race, he would have the full grid swept Ah. so that all of those marbles were cleared. That was not done in Melbourne. So that was problem the first. Everybody who was on that dirty side of the grid had (laughs) filthy, filthy tires. And filthy tires means less traction. Mm -hmm. The other thing that, that... they have gotten the FIA to agree to, um, and it was apparently first done in Azerbaijan, was when there is a restart after a red flag, the safety car comes out earlier. 
to give a bigger gap to the rest to the grid behind them so that there's more room and more freedom for the drivers behind the safety car to warm up their tires um, it was set for 30 seconds in Azerbaijan Miami was set for 60 seconds with the idea being or the hope being that that would give enough clearance that the cars wouldn't catch up to the safety car and they could warm up their tires oh. safer racing so good plan we think it'll or at least i'm hoping it will work well um there's okay. you know one of the things i i actually like about this and this is one of the things that i appreciate when the drivers do come out and say hey we're on the grid we we see things i don't think it would have ever dawned on me about a late race restart and the effect of the marbles. And we've seen it and didn't realize and, it. And we, we've seen what happens. Yeah. But you don't think about the fact that that racing line does start to wear in on the grid. And it mm-hmm. would affect every box differently. And we talk about, you know, the dirty side of the track on start. But that dirty side of the track only gets dirtier. A lot dirtier. So this to me, this is one of those stories that I really appreciate that driver point of view that as a non-driver um we don't always think about there's one other change that was made to the red flag procedures if a race is red flagged due to bad weather and just in the u.s and interestingly enough it's due to a florida law Hmm. so florida law requires that Um, major open-air public events to stop if there are thunderstorms in the area and there is a risk of people being struck by lightning. So if there was a risk like that, obviously stopping the event, red flagging the event, and putting the cars in the pit lane, even if you put up, and and especially if you put up the pop-up tents over the cars, that attracts lightning. And you don't want teams working on the cars, which are giant batteries to begin with. So for the U.S. races only, should they be red flagged due to weather, teams have permission. And if there is lightning, they're going to be required to bring the cars into the garage and not leave them parked in the pit lane. Oh, that's interesting. But that's just for U.S. races. And apparently it's just in response to a law in Florida. Okay, but in the defense, it's it, it's valid. <laughs> Florida, you you've kind of got some you've got serious chances to get struck by lightning. Yeah. Um, so we had revised sprint race. Uh huh. And Stefano Domenicali has made his first comments post revised sprint race, and all the again we haven't seen the sprint race in Azerbaijan, but. Basically, from everything that we have heard, it was kind of boring. Again. Um, Stefano Domenicali has said that everybody loves sprint races. Everybody wants more sprint races. He wants to do more sprint races, but not at every race of the year. Because apparently that's what MotoGP has done. He wants sprint races for a third of the calendar. He thinks there's more room for that. He's wrong. You know, there, there was a very interesting point brought up by um, the folks on Five Live. And, and we're going to need to see how this plays out. Because if so, I think um, Jack Nichols and Andy Benson were 
are, are going to be completely spot on with it. Um, what they noticed with, especially with this new format, is the sprint takes away the drama from the race. Mm-hmm. This idea being that, you know, we had the pole set for both races, the same person, and got swept up by the Red Bulls on Saturday. And sure, and there was absolutely no reason to believe going into Sunday that that wasn't how it was going to play out. And sure enough, that's how it played out. And I think that that's exactly what it's going to turn into, especially with the new format where the grid's already set. Mm-hmm. And unless something stunning happens as the grid is set for the sprint race where you have somebody that has to make it make it up through the field, which quite frankly is an exception, not a rule. That's yeah. kind of what we've learned. You're going to basically start calling the sprint races previews of the main event. Yeah. And I take umbrage. I, I do highly recommend that people listen to the conversation on Five Live about sprint races because there is no chance I will do justice to Pretty it. Pretty much the whole weekend because the the discussion throughout the whole weekend for Azerbaijan was good. Um, But... One of the points that got made that was really stunning to me was that the idea of these sprint races is to appeal to the this younger, quote, in quotes, audience that has a shorter attention span. Mm-hmm. And that that's what it is. And I take umbrage with the fact that we are essentially dumbing down the sport because we're trying to attract an audience that's really not interested in the first place. Because they're not going to be the ones that watch the sprint races. And they're not going to understand all that goes into it. And I'm not saying that F1 is hard. It's not hard to follow. It's not something that you have to commit to. Um, Well, with the sprints, you kind of do. But the sprints, you're going to have to. And that actually sounds to me like it would take more work to follow. And I don't think that if if you're not interested in Formula One or if you're only a Drive to Survive fan... You're going to pick and choose what I would call iconic or beautiful races and not watch the whole season, but you'll pick a few, like you might watch Monaco. And that's, that was my gateway race. Mm-hmm. You might watch Monaco, but Monaco competes with the Indy 500. So you kind of got to think about the fact that those two are going to pull audiences, especially with this new this new American Drive to Survive audience, they may have been Indy 500 fans. That's going to pull. They may watch <coughs> Silverstone because it's more iconic or Monza because you'd see the Tavosi, you know, that kind of stuff. But are they really going to watch, you know, just any old race like Hungary? Well, what what I think <coughs> is is interesting is that in Stefano's latest comments, he doesn't talk about the 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 bogus concept of, you know, we're trying to appeal to a shorter attention span or anything. His latest is that they're trying to have um, more excitement, more going on, and there's always action on the track, which from that perspective, I can appreciate that, you know, and especially... As much as we haven't been to a Formula One race, we've been to an, to an IndyCar weekend, multiple IndyCar weekends. 
And it is obviously a lot more interesting when stuff is happening on the track. But that's great if you're attending the event, number one. Number two, for the event organizers, if they're having the feeder races, if Formula 2 is there, if Formula 3 is there, and the Porsche Tour and, and all of these other sub-events and feeder events are going on through the weekend, then there's action always on the track. And if you're talking about, well, the broadcast stuff, well, then why don't you start broadcasting Formula 2? This, These are supposed to be the future stars of F1. Mm-hmm. These are supposed to be, to, to, to quote the, the announcers for the Indy Lights and, and the, the Pro Indy Series, these are your future stars. These are your future champions. Why not highlight them as opposed to coming up with bogus races? Excellent point. And one of the things I will say, because we have gone to a fair number of IndyCar weekends, and yeah, it's awesome. And I will watch and I think I'm I've, I think I'm going to propose myself as being sort of the everyman in this scenario. I will watch all these different races. Now, yes, maybe I don't pay super close attention to all the names mm-hmm. that are in the like third, fourth tier group unless it's Stingray Rock because But that's Stingray where I was, but that's where I was going to go. <laughs> the thing is, the first year we were at an Indy car race, we're listening to the, you know, we're listening to the announcer, we're watching cars on track. Those junior series can actually have some really good passes. And if you pick the right corner, you can see some really cool things. Thanks to really bad race practices. But anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But the the kids are learning. And that's part of what you get to see. So there's that. And the guy was talking. He tells the story about this guy that was a really stupid name. You'll never forget that story. And you'll never forget. We never forget the story. But the other piece of that is, as he moved up, we kind of watched him come up through the series. Now, uh, granted, having a unique name had something to do with it, mm-hmm. but there were other people in that generation that those names were recognized. Yep. We recognized as they made it to the, the what was David Pro- Malukas. David Malukas is one I was thinking of. Um, and we were we were watching those people come up when they got to the Pro Mazda, now Pro Indy series. We were like, we knew those names. So you you could follow them. And when they then got sucked into IndyCar, we had invested in them. Mm-hmm. But it was only because we were at the track and we only had to be at one track to have yep. that experience. I can get you want stuff on the track. What they have to do is figure out how to balance having stuff at the track and this broadcast. We know, because we're smart people, that the only reason they're doing sprint races is for the broadcast money Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with what's going on in the weekend on on the track because they could fill the rest of the track with junior series there would be action there would be things going on that's not what's going on it's about getting our eyeballs on the television full stop and the problem is until we vote without by not watching they will continue to shove these sprint races down our throats yeah and I will remind you, fan survey, 9%. Six. Oh, sorry, six. 
Although a lot of people on Reddit are now jumping on that survey and going, no, that was just a 6% positive rate because they didn't release the actual voting number. Even still, 6% positive. Only 6 That means yeah. 94% <clears throat> had a less than positive. No, w- what they're saying is the difference in the scores was 6% to the positive. Oh, they're saying the Delta was 6%, yes. not that it was only 6% that right. liked. That's the claim. No, there's no way to prove that. Yeah. I will continue to believe that only 6% liked it. Yeah. Because 0% in this house liked it. So because you mentioned the story, we have to tell the story. Oh, tell the story. So the the story is around Stingray Rob, who, by the way, this year is driving in IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Um, the story goes, what was it, f- five years ago now that we heard it. Mm-hmm. So this was Stingray Rob participating in a very, very junior karting series at least five or six years ago. And he was on the podium for it, and the announcer was presenting the trophy and called him Rob. And Stingray looked at him and said, no, sir, my name is Stingray Rob. It's my full name. And he goes, but we don't allow nicknames in this stuff. And he goes, no. My legal name is Stingray Rob. My first name. Oh, he called him Ray. He was calling him Ray Ray. Rob. Ray Rob. Is what it was. He was calling him Ray Rob. And and he goes, no, my name is Stingray. And he goes, but we don't allow nicknames in this series. So it's, it's Ray, Ray Rob. And he goes, no, my legal name, my legal first name is Stingray. Mm-hmm. That is his actual name, Stingray Rob. It is, and it apparently his it's his father had yeah. you know a, a love, love of, of stingrays, of stingrays, and that's what he named his son. Which you know he had no way of knowing that his infant son was going to drive. So I think the guy was a little prophetic there to do that. <laughs> but yeah, and ever since then, you know, he the announcer tells the story, but it's not his nickname, and that's I think that's kind of cool. I mean. It, it's it's a fun little story. So, other news. Um, F1 had plans to introduce... So, so we got, with this these new regulations, we got the, the covers over the wheels, mm-hmm. um, which are interesting. And, and F1 has been looking for ways to um, provide more information to trackside fans around what was going on, and to, to a lesser extent to viewers as well. Um, so inspired by what IndyCar used to do with their previous generation cars, they don't do it with their current ones, where there was a, an LED display on the side of the car that displayed the car's position. Which I thought was awesome. It, it was really cool. Um, Formula One put in provisions to the rules so that they could, in 2024, introduce LED wheel caps with the idea being that they could program the LEDs on the fly during the race to act as these information displays. Or they could display logos or whatever, but they could use them as displays. So the technology's come along and it apparently works. However, the provision has been removed from the rules. Word is, the reason is the weight of the caps. So. It's already a fairly sensitive area to weight to begin with. When they went to the larger wheels, that added weight there. The concern was the LED displays would add even more weight 
And because of that, they have now struck the rule. We will not be getting these, which is honestly, I think, kind of disappointing. This is disappointing, but I I think we have to remember, I mean, you've picked up little LED bulbs. Mm-hmm. And because of the spinning, you don't actually need a whole lot of them yeah. to, to make the, the, the word or whatever appear. Mm-hmm. You've picked up LED bulbs and you know how light they are. Yeah. And thinking about that, that amount of weight, which is, can only be measured in grams, honestly, is too much or is a concern about too much, is really and truly it amazes me at the level and the 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 microscopic level of weight that these cars have to deal with i mean we had the mercedes that didn't paint it yeah well several of the teams that they didn't paint it so that they could save the grams now I, i do have to wonder if these were implemented knowing the fact that they were on the wheels and the wheels spin and balancing that weight would have to be key what would have been the potential if there was damage there to one of those hubs? Could that, you know, send some of that weight off center and cause handling issues? I don't know. We'll never find out now. We won't. But I, I'm disappointed. And honestly, I think this would have been a, a cooler thing than what McLaren is doing with the e-ink displays, especially the location of the e-ink displays, because we don't see them. We don't know what they're doing. Mm. So I'm disappointed by this. So we know Michael Andretti was in Miami, presumably at least showing his face. I, I, I don't know if he was lobbying like he has been in previous years and pissing people off, but we know he was showing his face. So, and, and, and we know that most of the teams are not in support of expanding the Mm-hmm. the reasons that we've heard fairly universally up until now have been around dilution of the prize fund which yeah I get that to some extent and I, I, I don't think that should be a deciding issue but Christian Horner has come out with a new reason oh pray tell what has Christian <clears throat> think bigger than your team Horner uh, come up with as a firm and great reason to prevent Michael Andretti from joining the grid. Well, he, he's definitely thinking bigger than his team now. Or at least he thinks his team is really, really big. Because he says that some circuits <clears throat> on the calendar cannot accommodate in the paddock additional teams. So we can't have anyone. <laughs> and he calls out in particular... And, and there, there's a few others, but but he calls out in particular um, Monaco. Well, that I could understand. Uh, wait on that one. Zanvoort and Miami. Didn't the paddock go on the field in Miami this year? Well, he, he's talking about more than just the, the paddock, you know, the, the space for garages. And, and for Miami, that could definitely be a challenge right now because I think that their pit lane was designed for 10 teams, mm-hmm. which, okay, fair to a point. And yes, we know Monaco is really tight. And it always has been really tight. What I kind of struggle with, with this argument is that the current grid is 10 teams 
11 years ago, how many teams were on the grid? Pop quiz. 12. Yep. And Monaco was on the calendar. It was. It was. So they figured out in 2012 how to fit 12 garages into Monaco. And I know there's a new race control building and there's some of this stuff, but Monaco has hosted 12 garages. They figured it out before. Okay, but the engines are different now. (laughs) And the tires are larger. Oh, it's because of the bigger wheels. That's right. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to help you, Christian. Bigger wheels. I'm just trying to help you. Uh, got it. I, I, I offer that as <laughs> rationale for the size. Now, here's what I really think would be interesting. Go to 12 teams again. Okay. But also consider adopting the Haas three-butt pit wall. Consolidate everyone. Well, the but the pit wall isn't the challenge. Yeah, I get that, but... Think about it in those terms. Like, you, there are ways that you guys could conserve space. The possibly 14-tier motorhome that you yeah. guys drive around could maybe go down to seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're supposed to be going after sustainability, right? Reduce. So, yeah. So what we are hearing right now is that actually there may be four potential candidates submitting packets this week oh wow yeah um three of which are actually kind of viewed as credible so one obviously is the uh um andretti cadillac bid okay um back from the dead because we thought this bid was long gone pantera team asia is apparently um, expected to put in a bid and is considered to have a credible bid. Interesting. Um, High Tech GP, which I'm not familiar with who they are, they're apparently working on a bid. And apparently there is a third one. The And I, I think it's supposed to be pronounced Lucky Suns. L-K-Y space S-U-N-Z. Okay. And I believe that's the one... That is, if if it's who I think it is, their plan is that this is to be an all-female team. Oh, which wow. could be interesting. I just don't know how real the bid is. Now, in, <clears throat> in full disclosure, um, we considered putting in a bid also. Um, we had a couple of stumbling points. Our bid was rejected before submission. By me. Well, I... Okay, so I, I kind of sent it without your knowledge. Mm. Um, the problem was they did not accept pocket lint in lieu of the dilution payment. They do require a deposit, and um, I offered them pocket lint. You should have at least offered them some buttons. I was kind of out of buttons. Brass buttons would have probably sold oh, this. We, we do not rank brass buttons. Mm. I think I mm. might be able to scare up some like plastic uh you know here's your extra buttons for your sweater button and oh i did have the string the little packet of string from when you get a sweater 
That oh, well. I, I did. I did have that. I should have given that to them. I'm sure that would have made yeah. a decision. The other problem that we had was that we have no car, no driver, and no team. So. Well, no, nobody else does either right now. Keep that in mind too. I mean, that's after you get the bid, then you start doing car driver team. But the problem is we had no plan to get car driver team. Well, there was that. Um, and apparently they did not accept raising uh, Frank Williams from the dead as a potential well, wait option. A minute. Wait a minute. I, I, I thought our plan was going to be the Andretti plan. Get the bid because we were not Andretti and then give it to Andretti? Well, get the bid because we were not Andretti. We'd partner with Renault for engines because why the hell not? And <laughs> <laughs> they they would be required to give us engines then again honda needs a partner call me <laughs> you know it would be kind of interesting if the opening you know executive summary of our bid was we are not affiliated with the andretti team yeah that might they might accept my pocket lint if i had led with that well Again, since packages are going today, and we know that the Andretti bid, regardless of everything that, that Michael has done so far, has been met with skepticism, I think it, it was an interesting coincidence, fairly interesting quinketing, as it were, um, that a story hit this week that General Motors, you know, parent company of Cadillac, partner to the Andretti bid um, is now evaluating a potential um, F1 engine program for 2026. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, for 2027. They can't do it for 26. Those manufacturers have already been announced. They, they're considering a potential program for 2027. Interesting. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting timing. For that story to hit of, mm. you know, well, you know, you hire us. We're bringing a brand new engine manufacturer in and America. <laughs> well, that's the thing is they originally, they, the, the, the group that makes this decision had originally mm. said that they didn't believe that the Andretti name would bring anything to F1. Yeah. It's really hard to make the, the argument that the Andretti name and a new engine. Well, first it was the Andretti did, name didn't bring anything. Then it was the Andretti name and Cadillac, which has been around for longer than Ferrari and longer than Honda and longer than Mercedes, that Cadillac didn't bring anything. Yeah. But <laughs> now it's Andretti, Cadillac, and a new engine. Yeah. And they keep talking about the fact that they'd love to have some new engines. Interesting. Yeah, very, very, very interesting decision there. Timing is a. Uh, I'm sure that was just happenstance. Yeah. So, um, if you were hoping that maybe Red Bull's car would get a little weaker. Probably on the aero side, not going to happen for a few more years. Because Adrian Newey has signed a contract extension. I was really hoping that he would be fed up with Red Bull, but I guess I guess not. Yeah. So um, there, there was speculation that maybe his other teams could be circling him, but no, he has decided to remain with Red Bull 
um, for who knows how long. They haven't told us how long, but it is a contract extension. So forever. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, if I had Adrian Newey under contract, I would never let him go if I could if I could do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, the man is utterly brilliant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have Adrian Newey on your team. You need to be up in the front because he gets something out of those cars that is just magic. So we got word last weekend, speaking of extensions... Formula One and the the organizers of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix have agreed to a contract extension through 2026. And honestly, when this race was first announced and we went there the first time, I thought for sure this thing was going to drop off the calendar. I know. I, I, I didn't think this race was going to survive. And... Yes, it's a fast track. And yes, we've had good races there. Shockingly. Well, so, so here, here's the thing, though. And this is where I was going with this. We have had good races there, but we only have good races there when there's an incident. Well, yeah. It's not... The it's races not. on their own don't tend to be exciting unless there's an incident. Yeah, Exactly. Even the the part of the track that when they did the original track walks, we thought would be the part of the track that Mm -hmm. things would happen at, you know, at Princess Peach's Castle. Um, (laughs) Nothing ever happens there. It doesn't happen there. Well, the the one time something happened there, it was Valtteri Bottas hitting a piece of debris when he was leading the race and having a puncture under safety car. Mm-hmm. To cause because that's the other thing that seems to be kind of common in Azerbaijan is it is really the living example of safety cars beget safety cars. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm. I don't know. I'm I, not excited, but it is. I mean, so one of the things that you you chew on. Um, if F1 really wanted to make, have all these different races and really shake things up, because one of the things that we know when they have new tracks, they don't have data and, you know, you have to go in and guess. And it's it's a lot of on the fly decision making, which is actually kind of fun to watch. I would really love it if they would consider mixing up the calendar, that we don't go to the same races every year that some of them may go on a three-year rotation and some be on a two-year rotation and we go to core races like there's like a five race core and then the next five are every other year and another five is every third year and then you could mix up the calendar a bit and the evolution of those races could be different i'm gonna go back even more than that and say and I mean, we, we were asking this question when this race was announced. Why is F1 going here? Because they're paying the money. Uh, well, well, yeah, they are. They're, they're, there's, I mean, they're, they're paying boatloads of oil money for that. But this is, if you remember, when this race was first announced, it was not the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Mm-mm. It was the European Grand Prix. 
And everyone said, but that's not in Europe. But they were trying to make it part of the European season and pull this back in. And it was to promote Azerbaijan. But in terms of the nation is extremely poor. The Other than the oil money and the Baku itself, which is highly developed, there's nothing to this country. It's not a race that even fans are going to try and, and, and fly to. It's not convenient to get to for anybody. And when you look at the actual places you can watch the race if you're trackside, there's not a lot. I mean, yes, it's an inner city street race, but in terms of viewing locations, for an, even for an inner city street race, there's not a lot of places you can watch this, this race. Why is F1 going here? Yeah. I, Miami makes... Th- this is where Miami and Las Vegas make much better sense to me for F1 to go to than Baku. And how much did that pain you to say that Miami made sense? I mean, really? That that F1 would go to... And I never questioned the fact that F1 would... That, that going to Miami is a bad move for Formula And I don't even necessarily think that going to Las Vegas is, is a bad move for Formula One. Um, what I don't like about the... Well, there's a lot of reasons why I don't like Miami. I don't like the location, although it's slightly better than the original proposed one downtown Miami. Um, the, the locations are, are not particularly great. And my... <laughs> I don't particularly like Miami in general, but for Formula One to be there, sure, it it that part makes sense. Having it in the parking lot of Pro Robbie Stadium, sorry, Hard Rock Stadium. It will always be Joe Robbie Stadium. Yeah. Long story short, I go back to there are races on the calendar I disagree with us going to. There are several of them. I don't get to make that decision, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I really think that shaking up the calendar and going to tracks that we don't go to all the time, being able to see other places, but it throws a wrench into the team's strategies because they can't count on data from last year. Yeah. And that part, I think, adds to the racing. It adds to the potential for changes. And unusual things to happen that 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 is uh, of all the things to be really excited about for las vegas that's something to be excited about the fact that this is a complete and total unknown for them this year and it was one thing to be excited about for miami last year and to a lesser extent this year because the pavement's still an issue and they didn't know what was going on Mm -hmm. so Speaking of Miami, and again, I think it was a better race than last year. Um, Still wasn't a great race, but it was better than last year. Um, Very troubling signs if you're not a fan of Red Bull. Yeah. (laughs) Best way to put that. If you're not a fan of Red Bull and you were not disturbed by by how this season is going, um, you need to be disturbed now because... Miami's supposed to be a track that is supposed to be really, really hard to pass. 
And Max Verstappen was in second place by lap 15. Yeah. The, oh, wow. But other news, other things about Miami. You know, we, we, we still have the plastic harbor um, <laughs> with, 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 with the boats that apparently they're better for sale. Yes. So, so I guess they're not d- mangled and destroyed to put into the harbor. Which, when they back up, it looks like they're sunk into the... So they have to figure out how to... There must be a deck or something. A deck that they're building that on because... It's a, the the harbor is a plastic deck. Yeah. That, that's apparently what it is. Yeah. The cake is a lie and the harbor is a deck. Exactly. <laughs> and like two people that don't listen to our podcast got that. Yeah. Um, but... The, the news that we want to share about Miami is that apparently, you know, in an effort to keep things fresh and new and exciting in Miami, the organizers are in negotiations, in talks with Formula One to make it a night race. Okay. I wasn't going for the, it would make it new and exciting. I was going with the fact that the organizers suddenly realized that Miami is hot in May. Oh, I actually read this read this when I saw that, oh yeah, they they want to talk about making it a night race. And I'm like, well, of course they are. Of course they are. Yeah. How, I, how can we make this South Beach in the swamp? Oh, that's it's definitely <laughs> what they're going for is South Beach in the swamp. Um, but really and truly, if you saw the drivers before the race, um, they're all wearing their cooling jackets. Mm-hmm. They're all, I mean... It's hot and sticky hot. Um, And I mean, it's not 90 degrees, but May is still hot weather in Miami. It it is, but also around this time of year, think about when the thunderstorms tend to happen. Oh, what about 3 o'clock in the afternoon that you can set your clock by? Well, well, either 3 o'clock in the afternoon or after sunset. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that folks were talking about last year is that yes, they had beautiful, bright, sunny weather on during the day, but all of the folks who were coming, particularly from Europe, who are not used to Florida storms, um, said that they were absolutely terrified by the strength and force of the thunderstorms that rolled through the area every single night. Mm-hmm. It is, it is absolutely crazy. And as somebody that grew up in Florida, it you do get used to it, but they are strong, intense. Mm-hmm. I mean, thunder, lightning, spectacular lightning. Um, but yeah, that can happen after dark and it can happen in the late afternoon. Um, and again, so you move it to where you will continue to have, if not, as great a likelihood, a greater likelihood of thunderstorms, which, as we spoke about earlier, means you have to stop the race, regardless of what visibility is like. And oh, by the way, that law doesn't necessarily require it to be raining. It's the threat of lightning. Mm-hmm. So the rain doesn't have to come down. If there is a threat of lightning, if that charge reaches a certain level, you have you have to stop whether it's raining or not, and take shelter immediately. Mm -hmm. So you're going to disrupt a race. But even if that doesn't happen, 
What's it like to be in South Florida on the edge of a swamp <laughs> at night with really bright lights? Oh, it's a bug fest. Uh-huh. It's a bug fest. <laughs> there is no chance that they will not. Can you imagine the love bugs on the front of the F1 cars? Well, Can you... ter- they'll run out of tear-off. Actually, not even run out of tear-offs. Holy crap, those helmets are going to be disgusting. Oh, yeah. I know what my car looked like driving down I-95. Those helmets are going to be disgusting. Oh, yeah. And people are going to eat bugs. I mean, that's just the way it's going to happen. I don't even think... Okay, what happens when the first air intake fills with little dead bug bodies? With bugs. Oh, man. I mean, these are precision cars that do not handle that well. Yeah, they're they're not designed for a couple of pounds of bug guts. No. Ooh. And and you get one of those really big juicy ones that smacks somebody. Yeah. I mean, it could could bounce the car off the track. (laughs) Yeah, I, oh, wow. Yeah, this is not, this is not a good idea. Not a good idea. Yeah, so... The thought is at this point is that the odds of this happening are, are fairly low, mainly because of the fact that it's the time difference. Mm-hmm. So if they shift the race four or five hours later, so it's after dark in Miami, that puts it middle of the night in Europe. Right. And that's where the big audience is. Yeah. They don't they don't care about it doing doing a race at three AM US time, but doing one at three AM Europe time that's a no-go. Yeah. And that's the point between the timing of the race in Vegas and why it's at like one in the morning Vegas time mm-hmm. is because that works out to like eight in the morning in Europe. So they're okay with that. Right. But putting it at two in the morning in Europe, uh, maybe not. Yeah. So our last story, you know, we talked about uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, parting ways with Angela Cohen. Mm-hmm. And so he's got a new support team in place, and it is a true team. Um, Angela's role is now split between two different physios, um, and then he's got the, the remaining network behind the scenes. But uh, to, to, I guess, emphasize the fact that, that the, the parting with Angela was amicable, and mm-hmm. they're still friends, they still get along, um, he says that he talks to Angela on a regular basis. Um, they're actually looking at doing other adventures. He actually floated climbing Mount Everest with her. Oh, wow. He said he wants to do that. I could see him wanting to do that. Yeah. A, I could see him wanting to do that, and I could also see him wanting to do it with her. Well, I, I could see her. From and- what I know of her and her athletic career, and it's really the best way to describe it, she has an athletic career. I could see her doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, A, on one hand, I'm super happy to hear that it's amicable that they still are in touch mm-hmm. um, and that that is good and positive because we know that Lewis in separations, especially in his younger years, have always been very hard because he is mm-hmm. an emotional man. And, yeah. Um, that's great because he's an intuitive driver because he's emotional, but it can also be bad when he becomes Moody Lewis. So I think it's awesome that they're in touch, that the 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 shift is not jarring for him but the very fact and this is one of those things like 
we've all left jobs and then they hired three people to do the job that we used to do. I think that really says how much Angela was doing for him, that he's yeah. now got two physios to replace her plus a backup support team. Um, Angela's probably tired. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. Um, but you're right. Athletic career. She's she's a, a tiny little powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am glad. I'm glad that they are still friends and it was not a bad breakup. And that's all we really have. I mean, yes. No, no, no. A... We have something else. You have something else? We have something else. Okay. It, 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 it would be remiss of me not to circle back to the single oh, best yes. moment in the Miami Grand Prix. Thank, thank you for reminding me. And I, I did have that open in another tab. You know, I, say what you will about racing in the United States. But... If you're a fan of the pre-race coverage, I have to say the races in America make for some of the most amazing grid walks okay. for Martin Brundle. There is always Probably something. frustrating for him also. Yeah, but. Some degree frustrating. You know, we, we had the, the whole thing with Megan Thee Stallion mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that him Martin being told that he can't talk to somebody that he can and he will. And that, that there, there was that. Um, you know, horning in on all kinds of various celebrities that he's told he's not supposed to talk to. And then this year, shaming Tom Cruise because he was explicitly told he wasn't allowed to talk to him, which awesome. Oh, and avoiding uh, Serena Williams because he's had a history with her. It, well, she pushed him away, too. Yeah. yeah, that was that was another issues with her bodyguard. But I, I, I think this year, even better than the Megan Thee Stallion incident. <laughs> This year, thanks to Sir Jackie Stewart, we may have had the most epic moment on the grid ever. Yes. As Martin makes his way to the front to the rope line and spies Roger Federer and wants to chat with Roger Federer, who's on the other side of the rope line talking to other people. And he's calling Roger and he's standing next to Jackie Stewart and he's calling over to Roger and Roger's he probably of, doesn't hear him yeah, may, may not hear him or whatever so Sir Jackie who is also behind a rope line with Martin decides you know what I'm a three time world champion and I'm about as VIP as it gets here in Formula 1 ducks under the rope line goes walking off as and, and walks up to Roger to get his attention as not one not two but three security guards try and hustle Jackie back <laughs> And then George Russell, seeing this whole thing, comes running over to go say hi to Roger and Jackie. And then Jackie, sure enough, gets Roger Federer to come over to Martin Brundle. Exactly. (laughs) Now, of the thousand things that were fabulous about that, the one thing that I can take away from it is that if I am ever at a rope line, I want Sir Jackie next to me to get the celebrity to me. I mean, <laughs> that man gave absolutely no care in the world that anybody was going to stop him from his target. And to do that for Martin Brundle, I thought that was just, I mean, it's class. That's class. I love Jackie even more today than I have ever loved him. So Jackie actually posted up on Twitter, security did a good job bringing me back behind the ropes. I haven't had to sneak past security in a while, but anything for you, Martin Brundle. Thank you for the pictures 
Roger Federer on for being a good sport. And somebody commented, who dares wins? <laughs> Which, if you didn't know, is also the uh, slogan for the British Special Air Service. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, good on Jackie Stewart. Good on Martin Blundell. Once again, America brings one of the most epic gridwalk moments for Martin Brundle. Yes. And on that note, we'll call it a show. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spend most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I begged and pleaded with her day after day, but she packed my suitcase and sent me on my way. She gave me a kiss and then she gave me my ticket. I put my walkman on and said, I might as well kick it. First class, yo, this is bad. Drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass. Is this what the people of Bel Air living like? Hmm, this might be all right. I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the license plate said pressing it a dice in the mirror. If anything, I could say that this cab was rare, but I thought, man, forget it. Yo, home to Bel Air. I pulled up to the house about seven or eight and I yelled to the cabbie, yo home, smell you later. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air. 